0: Hello and welcome to Cage Club, two fans, 76 movies, one cage. Today's movie is Rage, from 2014, formerly titled Tokarev. Maybe our first renamed movie? We'll find out. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us again, once again, part of the Four-Timers Club, we have Jordan Clark. Hello, Jordan. Hey! Now, I know you're not a huge fan of this movie, and you were actually saying how each movie you've watched with us has gotten worse and worse. Um... (laughs) Do you like this movie less than you like Season of the Witch?
1: It made me feel worse on the inside than Season of the Witch did. Mm-hmm.
0: What does that mean?
1: Like, it actually made me feel gross at <laughs> some
2: point. It means exactly what it sounds like. It means exactly <laughs> what it sounds <laughs> it, like. It, it made her sick to her
0: stomach.
1: It <laughs> made me not feel good sometimes. Not Season the- of the Witch was just boring.
0: You weren't So, you, were you bored by this movie?
1: I was bored, but also, like, the more I watched it, the more I was actually kind of upset about it.
0: All right. We, we will get into that, I guess, a little bit later. Um, this is a movie that I saw years ago, or, like, you know, I guess two years ago. It didn't come out that long ago. And I remember not liking being bored by it and sort of being disappointed by it. And now, I, I mean, it's not a good movie, And it's not as fun, I don't think, as Stolen, but I enjoyed it so much more the second time around. I was really sort of dreading this movie. I honestly just sort of not the entire thing but enjoyed a whole lot of it and i think mike enjoyed a lot of it too
2: yeah i think i even texted you before watching it like here i go like finally putting it on you know like gonna sit through this thing and it's not like an instant guilty pleasure in the way stolen was for me you know that movie is just ridiculous i just can't get over that but it's better than trespass it's around the seeking justice trespass sort of territory i liked it more than season of the witch which you know I didn't love by any means, but had the least problems with out of the three of us. And yeah, this is by no means a good movie. Do not get me wrong, but I just liked it for some reason. I was watching it and I was going along with it. I mean, Jordan, I'm sorry. I mean... Clearly see why you wouldn't like this movie. Like I can side with you on all the issues you're going to bring up in this episode, but for some reason, just like I started laughing along the way, and I just kind of never stopped with it. And like, yeah, it just entertained me.
1: Mike, you'll be happy to know that like a half hour in, I wrote, I wish this was stolen because I I watched <laughs> Stolen uh sometime in the last year, and also really really liked it.
2: Yeah, that movie just like hit a mark somewhere along the line that makes you feel good inside somehow. Like, you know it's bad, but you don't feel bad for liking it. But this one, I do feel bad for sort of liking.
1: Well, and it's a similar plot, too. You know, a dad, I mean, I guess the daughter's dead in this one. He's not looking for her for very long before he finds (laughs) out she's dead. But, you know, a dad upset about his daughter. It's a similar plot.
2: Yeah, reformed criminal dad whose daughter gets kidnapped. Almost identical. It's weird how they go in such different directions.
0: It's kind of amazing how quickly she dies in this movie. It's so, it sort of feels like the movie where you're going to have you're going to follow Cage looking for her the whole time, and toward the end of the movie, sort of in the all is lost moment, you're going to find out that the daughter is dead. But it comes like 25 minutes in this movie. It's just like looking for the daughter. Oh, the daughter's dead. Now I'm just going to go kill a bunch of guys just sort of on a hunch. Like it's kind of crazy and kind of amazing. And I think that aside from Cage's war movies, this might have the most gunplay and gunfire in any movie. I, I mean, it's up there with, fa- with Face Off, I think. like There is a lot of gunplay, a lot of shooting, a lot of gun violence in this movie. For all the things it's lacking, it's sort of not lacking in gunfire.
1: No, and I will say the one thing I did like about it was I actually like a lot of the way that a lot of that was shot. I thought that was kind of fun to watch some of it.
2: Yeah, I was actually surprised at the amount of action in this. I definitely thought it would be a much more low-key Thriller type, but it turned into sort of one of those sort of <laughs> you know by no means as good as or in the same league as, but one of those like John Wick type or just like a death wish even you know where dad is out for revenge and he 's just going to fuck shit up for the for like ninety minutes if he can and stuff but yeah the, the level of gun violence sort of by the end of the movie it 's amazing how ironic it all becomes, right, like that horrible twist at the end i don 't want to get too far ahead, but I was surprised but at that point because of how much like glorified violence, there was in this thing. What the message ultimately tried to be.
1: Somewhere really close to the end, I actually wrote down that it was starting to feel maybe like an anti-gun movie. You
0: <laughs> have no
2: idea how right you are,
0: Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to, to tell me more succinctly. I can't remember. Has any other Cage movie ever been renamed? As far as we know,
2: no. To the best of my knowledge, it, it hasn't. This is a first.
0: So this is a movie that when it was coming out on IMDb, up until I really think like a month or two before it hit VOD, because this is another movie that never made its fears. This is another straight direct-to-DVD movie. No money on the box office in terms of either IMDb or box office mojo. I think it's 100% straight-to-DVD. But I remember up until a month or two before the movie came out, I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to this movie called Tokarev. And then it's like, hey, this new Cage movie called Rage is coming out. And I was like... "Wait." and then i read up about it and i was like oh no this is that and i don't know why they changed it aside from people maybe like jordan being like i don't know what togarav means like it's a cool word but it's also weird and rage drives with cage <laughs> and it also fits more in with these like generic sort of sounding nouns adjectives verbs things like you know stolen trespass these other movies vague action that could mean a lot of things I don't know. I don't know why they renamed it. I don't know if it helped it or hurt it. It's sort of a cage club first.
2: Yeah, those marketing departments, you know, who knows what they're having for breakfast. <laughs> like, you just have no idea what the reasoning could be. But I thought Tokarev is just, it's a more mysterious title, you know, like it feels like, you know, like I was saying, like it almost feels like a password or like a secret word or some kind of code word or something like that. And Rage is just so generic and bland and stuff. It does rhyme with Cage. I like that. Don't get me wrong. And like, it, it definitely like is what the character, the character is full of rage. So, you know, it fits the character. Um, this happens from time to time. I notice like movies getting renamed from he- you know, but yeah, this is strange.
3: It's just
1: like the laziest, it's the laziest title. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I actually probably would have been more interested if it was still called Tokarev because at least I don't know what that is, and I would maybe go, ooh, what's that?
0: But you also admitted to us before we started recording that you didn't know that Tokarev was even in the movie, so
2: it's... Well, <laughs> well I mean, yeah, there's but... only so many things you could, like, call this, you know, like, father's justice, or, you know, like, seeking vengeance, or, you know, like, stealing daughter. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> like, you can't, you know? Like... You could name it Seeking Justice or Stolen, and it works for, like, they're all different movies, kind of. I mean, Stolen's (laughs) similar. They're all, at their core, kind of similar. I think this is the darkest and most aggressive and most violent of any of these recent movies, though. Trespass is maybe kind of close...
2: This definitely has its trespass moments, too, with the home invasion sequences and all that kind of stuff, I was thinking. And his wealth, you know, this guy, he, like Cage is playing like a very wealthy businessman. You know, he's at these openings for breaking ground on new buildings. And I'm like, I wonder if he's like an ex-mafia type sort of fellow here. And I was like, I'm getting these trespass vibes with his blonde wife and his beautiful daughter. Perfect Life is about to go upside down and all that kind of stuff. But thing is, like, this movie feels like it's trying to make a point more than other movies have been recently you know and and that's where i can't take it seriously
0: what i love sort of like in in keeping with the trespass vein there is a shot very early in this movie cage's wife in this movie is getting ready to go out to dinner with him and she's putting on earrings or whatever in the mirror and he comes up behind her grabs her around the waist and kisses her neck watching the scene i can't help but think of the beginning of eyes wide shut I think, at least to me, I don't know if that's true, but it's a very iconic scene with Tom Cruise around Nicole Kidman there. Like, that's just sort of the shot I think of when I think of that movie. It's funny that Cage was in the movie with Nicole Kidman and didn't have his Nicole Kidman moment with Nicole Kidman. He had it with this woman, Rachel Nichols. So it's just sort of another weird kind of, in a way allusion to trespass maybe i'm stretching here maybe this is a mike Manzie kind of weird connection that i'm going off on a tangent here i, I couldn't help but think of that when i, saw I think that, scene. that
1: getting ready shot is used a lot in a lot of movies although now that i'm saying that i can't well, think of another one <laughs> <laughs> like right off the top of my head but it seems like a very common thing
0: i know that they get ready in a lot of movies but just the way that he approached her Also, she kind of sort of looks like Nicole Kidman, at least her hair coloring and stuff, you know, similar kind of age, similar type of role, fancy wife to an expensive businessman. This role could be played by Nicole Kidman, even though it probably wasn't because she's not in it that much, you know? I think it's only so similar in my mind because the visual similarities, not just of the shot and the blocking, but of her are so similar.
2: Well, take it in while you can, because this poor character is going to be sidelined for the entire film. You know, once again, this girl wants to help, you know, she's in every scene when Cage and his buddies are getting ready to go shoot people. And she's like, you know, Let me be involved. Let me come help or do something. Like, tell me what to do. And most of the time in Cage Club, unfortunately, like, she's just pushed aside, you know? Like, she could totally be useful and an interesting sort of element in this entire thing. Like, bring her along somehow. Maybe it be revealed that she can speak Russian or, I don't know, that she had a criminal past as well. It's just disappointing on that level.
1: You've gotten to what really my Mm -hmm. huge problem with this movie is. And really a lot of his movies, like you just said, he becomes this, like, Nicolas Cage protector of women. But, like, it's this protector of women who protects them by just going, like, shh, 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 go away. And, like, he literally does that to her. We call that
2: the Diane Kruger effect.
1: so bad.
2: And it's even worse because all these women are, like, girls with skills like dr chase like you know the character who's like this is named after and like she is like super skilled and very smart and can totally contribute and would have probably found the treasure on her own if she was given it a shot you know but that's the thing is like i have the feeling this character could have been very useful throughout the movie and something new we haven't seen quite before in this way like a husband and wife teaming up to get revenge
0: it could have been cool well not only is she sidelined but the daughter from the very beginning Ugh cage picks her up like this is again like this reminds me again of the beginning of trespass where he's just like i know they don't shoot movies sequentially but it feels like in the beginning of trespass where he's on that phone walking to the house and the beginning here he just like isn't in his character yet and he doesn't know how to act or how to talk it's just very strange and he's talking to this girl who's 16 years old like she's i don't know eight or nine or (laughs) ten and it's just like the most awkward conversation hi sweetheart
2: hey daddy you know, you don't have to pick me up. I can find a ride.
3: Yeah, I know. That's what worries me. What is that on the back of your hand, Caitlin McGuire?
1: Relax, Dad. It's Hannah. Okay? Patman's mom did it for the girls in class. We're studying
3: Indian culture. Uh-huh. Indian culture. It washes off, right? Sort of.
0: It will wear off. I feel like nobody in this movie has ever met a 10-year-old girl or a 16-year-old girl. Like, nobody knows how to talk to these people nobody knows how they talk. It's just weird and awkward.
1: Yeah, I mean that's my problem with it. It's like it's just so male. Like clearly dudes wrote this and had no interest in including any women in it at all. Like even g- giving a- women a reason to watch this at all. Like I'm just <laughs> tired of watching dudes on screens do stuff.
2: Did You know what kind of bothered me a lot actually is when he's getting ready to go to dinner with the wife and she's there with two boys you know and i'm like oh my god like <laughs> you know this is terrible and uh, he like takes one of them aside and they like talk about her future behind her back and stuff and i'm like what are they do- like what is movie doing to itself you know this is like sort of the opposite like he should have taken his daughter aside and like given her like a knife or something and been like you know be careful these are two boys i want you to like protect yourself but no he takes like the potential boyfriend is like you like my daughter you think she's hot you think you got like a chance with her i'm like
0: what he's like pimping her out
2: i was like ugh.
0: what i love about that scene in its terrible terrible nature is that it starts out with cage as sort of intimidating father of soon-to-be girlfriend and then after i don't know two sentences (laughs) he's just like hey, you want to work for me? You want to date my daughter? Like, it's all cool. Like, let's be friends. And it's like, oh, okay, this is weird. So are you going to ask my daughter out? What? I see the way you look at her. Uh,
3: I didn't think you'd let her go out, you know? You smoke weed? No. No drugs at all? No. Well, then I, I might be willing to make an exception for a working man. Do you think she'd say yes? Mine of a woman is a mysterious thing. I can't tell you what she'll say, but fortune favors the bold.
0: He probably had that conversation with his daughter like, here's a knife, here's how to protect yourself. I feel like that's already been tread. We don't need to necessarily see that on screen. Knowing his history, knowing how protective he is of his family, I feel like that's the sort of thing that's happened already. So I'm sort of okay with him not giving her that speech on screen. Nope, okay.
2: Disagree.
0: But that yeah. does not make this scene okay. Like this is still a really weird scene.
2: Yeah, and I just thought it would have been a great time to set up the knife, you know, because he's just, that's what he's an expert with and stuff, so that could have just been a cool sort of little, like, wink. The knife is going to come back. here. Like He gave her a knife because he's good at knives. I don't know. I just got kind of caught up in it because I wanted it to sort of be anything but what
0: it was. <laughs> well, you know that fortune favors the bold, as they say here, and also, <laughs> as they say earlier, the die is cast. They do a really good job early on of just saying very important phrases. That are just, you know, all those words are capitalized like very important phrases where they mean something. Like, this is foreshadowing. You better pick up on this, dummies, because things (laughs) are going to happen. And it's like, yeah, okay, like, we get it. Like, Julius Caesar, like, somebody's going to get stabbed. Like, somebody's (laughs) going to get betrayed. Like, we get it. Like, it's okay. There's so much in this early scene before they even leave the dinner, before the movie really starts. The mom, it's not even her mom. It's like his second wife. Because his first wife died of cancer, as we learn in a very overwrought speech a little bit later. The mom comes out and she's just like, now no smoking tonight, kids, because last time I took the blame for it. And I don't want to do that again. And I was like, are all these kids, like, wasn't in the weatherman, Mike? Wasn't what the daughter smoking there, too? Like, all yeah. these, like, troubled cage daughters just smoking. <laughs> this is how they rebel, by smoking cigarettes like real bad kids.
2: Yeah, and it's just horrible how she's trying to relate to her daughter too, I feel like, as a mother figure or whatever. It just feels like she's more trying to be like the cool mom friend, you know, and it's like, no, like establish yourself, set up shop and like you know, you even try and convince us later how much, you know, she meant to you and you loved her even though she wasn't yours. But here they almost feel more like sisters and stuff. It's just kinda weird, like this actress is like ha like I don't know, I don't wanna say like she's too young for cage or anything. It just would've played better if maybe he was a single father trying to take care of his daughter in this situation uh, if we're not going to have the mom in the movie for the most part anyway she's not really going to matter it could have been cooler if he was just you know wife died of cancer got out of the uh, mob game and to raise his daughter by himself and someone killed his daughter so he's got nothing left to live for
0: this actress rachel nichols who plays his wife is 16 years younger than cage actually have a birthday just one day off so that's kind of weird now jordan as a woman offended by the way that this movie portrays women would you have been happier if that wife just hadn't existed? That if he hadn't remarried and he had just gone out with friends? Like, there's really no reason for her to be in the movie. There's no reason for her to be in the movie. Like, this very easily could have <laughs> happened without her. Like Mike just said, you know, first wife dies, that stays with him. He goes out to dinner. He just needs to basically leave the house, right? Would you have been happier if she just wasn't in the movie?
1: I mean, yes and no. No. I still would have been super sensitive to the fact that there were no women in the movie because that would be one. (laughs) There were only three. We haven't talked about the third one yet. I would have noticed, but I guess it wouldn't have been as upsetting because a lot of the things that upset me were like the way that he spoke to her and the way that he was like... No, you can't know the plan. No, you can't know anything about this. Let the men talk, honey. Go away.
2: It could have been cool if there was at least some sort of girls on the other side, you know, like Russian female mafia members or something trying to seduce him in a scene or something or other. But now that I think about it, it's amazing how, like, this entire cast is just a bunch of dudes.
0: So I guess the, the real question is, like, what's more offensive, having a bad female role model or having no female role model in a movie?
1: They're both just as bad i guess yeah
2: i think the problem is they didn't struggle enough or want to think hard enough or like take the time and effort to really develop the character they had you know like there is like she's here might as well use her that's like a sin on the filmmaker's part at least the writer is that like she's just there to kind of look at you know they even cast her very pretty like she's not hard on the eyes at all so like when she's on screen it's fine like it's appealing it just really comes across as like kind of lazy, you know. It's like just replace one of these characters with her, or you know, just if you can't think of anything else to do. But there's clearly stuff she could be doing, and it's frustrating. I mean, I don't want to get too hung up. But I mean, maybe, sure, maybe no, it's no, fine. no, I know. The whole podcast could be, but
0: <laughs> well, I, f- I feel like there's this is worth talking about because most of the movie is not necessarily worth talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, this- like, there's
0: just a lot of revenge action. And I think it's worth going into the way that they portray women because it's been a huge negative factor and a negative thing that we've seen time and time again in Cage Club. This movie does not do her justice. Like, at one in one scene, maybe the most offensive scene at all, as I'm flipping through screenshots that I took in the movie right now, they're talking and they're fighting, and she's getting mad at him, and then he grabs her by the throat and, like, throws her up against the wall, and then they just start making out? Like, <laughs> Like, it's weird, and I understand that rage and lust or whatever, like, they're sort of similar in a sense, but also, like, she's literally an object in the scene where he can just grab her and have his way with her whether he wants to exert dominance over her or compromise her or whatever you know what i mean like it's just it's so offensive almost like without trying like without thinking about how offensive this is yeah it's just real bad
2: that's how it feels that's the problem is like it just feels like they don't realize what they're doing right like they either they think it's cool and enticing you know (laughs) Or, or they just like don't realize it and it's just yeah
1: well that's part of what's so upsetting about it is because it's like yeah i've seen this before and like yeah it still isn't good like i still don't want to watch this happen to her yeah like i think
2: like joey you mentioned the history of violence right and like there's a part of that film where something they take the scene like this to the extreme right where like he starts like sort of being very rough with his wife and he then they you know have sex like you know it kind of like evolves that way but the woman the the wife in that movie first of all she's you know very much more well developed by that point in the movie and that's just a much better film you know it's just much more well done but i mean it's a thing that can be done right or at least done tastefully or at least done to service the story and it's not ever supposed to be comfortable by any means but it can be done in a way and it's just not done that way here at all
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's actually a really good point Because Joey said before, like, rage and lust and anger. Like, yeah, when you have really strong feelings, we all know that all of that can meld together. But when you have two characters who, like, have no personalities, there's no story, there's no character development, to just have them do that is so meaningless. And that's when it gets offensive. Because you could explore this in a really interesting way and have it mean something, and this just didn't. And it's just, again, like, so lazy.
0: I mean, I just can't help but come back to the point we were making earlier, that there's just... there's no reason for her to be here, and it's like they're actively going out of their way to be lazy and not develop her. There's not that many characters in this movie, to be perfectly fair. There's Cage and his wife, there's the daughter of her two friends, there's his two buddies, and there's, like, maybe two or three irish slash russian crime guys we need to know about mm-hmm. and there's danny glover like that's it <laughs> like, you have maybe you have maybe 10 people to have more than one of them especially of the two women just so underdeveloped it almost feels like it has to be an intentional decision but i don't think it is i think it's just a bad screenwriter not knowing how to write a movie or tell a story to be
1: fair, he didn't write any of the other characters that much better. They just <laughs> yeah. happen to be in the movie more, so we kind of know a little bit more about them. But I don't think he necessarily developed their characters better.
2: This movie really caught me off guard because I realized that, in essence, it's just an exploitation film. The only reason it kind of doesn't feel like one is because it looks real slick and it's shot real well. And it, you know, because of modern times, like anyone can go out and rent digital cameras, and your film can look awesome but at its core the acting directing writing and all that portrayal of women portrayal of violence you know everything it's death wish you know it's just cheap exploitation <laughs> schlock they might not realize it they might think they're making something better you know they it might not be sort of a wicker man situation where they're trying to aim low but that's what i'm getting from it and that's what that's what it's coming off to me
0: so that kind of raises a good point how much do you two think the budget on this movie was i looked it up mike what do you think it is um
2: hmm. i say probably 35 million
0: 21 so it's lower than that but it's still a lot of money Mm -hmm. it's also another movie made by saturn films cage's production studio and i really wonder like there's no way i don't know okay i don't understand the economics of straight to dvd releases Mm -hmm. but there's no way you can recoup 21 million dollars on a straight to dvd movie right can you no.
1: Unless I, maybe uh, it's like a kid's movie that really catches on and a bunch of kids watch it.
0: But not this movie. No,
1: There's not no this just, movie.
2: You know what this so kind of f- feels like to me? Like, I have no really known nothing about like behind the scenes of this kind of stuff, but if I had to take a guess, you know, if I had to take a gander here it feels like a part of a deal that was made where it's like he signed a contract to make so many films with a certain company or people involved didn't think about distribution or thought it would just come because they have a cage film and then they can't sell it so i don't know that they didn't think this was going to be in theater but yeah i have no idea how movies recoup like the only way i thought was like if it was part of some deal he'd already been paid and like everyone been paid and they just sort of had to make this movie for tax write-offs or something like that just to sort of finish the deal
1: this is actually part of the reason why i got more and more upset as i watched this movie yeah you guys liked it more than i did but like i think maybe we can all agree that like this didn't need to be a movie this (laughs) is one of those things that i watch and i'm like why does this exist who wants to watch this? It already exists in so many other formats, and so many other better movies do similar things. Like, this just doesn't need to exist. And they blew 25 mil- $21 million on it. And the more I think about that, the more I get upset.
0: Well, the reason that it exists, as I might have mentioned off mic, was because Cage saw this director's first film and loved it, and wanted to work with the director. And because Cage has a production studio, he's able to say to a director, I will give you money to make a movie starring me. And that's just sort of how it happens, I think. Like, I can't imagine any other reason why it would happen. Because you're right, there's no need to tell a story. At its core, it's kind of a pretty basic revenge thriller with a sort of unique, in a way, or at least not altogether too common twist. And I think we should start talking about the plot in a little bit. But you're right, there's no reason for it to Like, it's not wholly unique. It's a rehash in a lot of ways of a lot of other movies, especially, you know, including a lot of other Cage movies. So you're right. It doesn't necessarily need to exist, but it does because Cage wanted to work with this guy and he got to work with this guy
2: there's a couple of things that just sort of jump out to me. I don't really know, you know, now talking about it, why I did enjoy watching this movie so much, because now I sort of feel guilty about it, like the way that it isn't good at all. But uh, I got to say, like, the action and stuff like that and the sheer idiocy of, like, sort of how it's being portrayed, I was laughing along the way, and I think that just... Maybe that's why I say I liked it, but ultimately I was just laughing—not to sort of cry to make it through it in a way. You know what I'm saying? Where you just like something is so horrifying, you just have to laugh in a way, just to make it through. But you know, the only sort of character development for Cage is that uh, he becomes better and better with that knife, and like that is pretty much it. Uh, and his buddies have no personality, like whatsoever. There's really nothing to like hang on to, except for maybe one scene for me that comes on the rooftop later.
0: So I guess it's time to sort of start talking about the plot and kind of advance this forward a little bit they go out to dinner danny glover and i can only imagine it's a continuation of his lethal weapon character comes up as a detective and shows up and just like hey man i'm not here to hassle you like you might think something about your daughter and then they go to the house and there's a kind of it's kind of a little bit of a dreamlike quality i guess it's sort of like the parent not knowing the fate of their child and trying to get answers and all this different stuff And so it's kind of cool in terms of that sense. But the way that they show what happens, it's almost like the movie's shouting to you, this isn't how it happened. Like, it's not really sort of recreated in a believable way. And I don't think that's just because I've seen this movie before. But do you guys get that sense that the way that they show these robbers break in and just smash things around and backhand the kids, and take the girl. There's no way that that recreation is actually the story. Like You know that there's something off about that story, right?
1: I didn't think that when I saw it. I can see it now that you're saying it that way, because it was kind of like slow-mo, like dreamlike, the way they showed the kidnapping. But I didn't get that sense when I watched it.
2: The one thing I really got from that is... I thought that kid was in on it somehow. I don't know how, but I didn't feel like he was telling the truth all the way. You know, like I thought that was, oh, that's probably what happened because I suspected Cage was in the mob at some point, and this is like, okay, it's going to be a revenge movie. But I was expecting him to be more of a key development. Um, throughout the whole thing but i could definitely see though how you know later on when we see what really happened uh, it is shot very differently you know or at least like staged differently
0: so the idea that cage gets or the idea of the story that the police piece together is that it's a group of russians who had kidnapped cage's daughter because cage crossed them and stole a bunch of money and killed a guy like 20 years earlier And so this is the long-awaited payback that they waited until he had a family, until he had a daughter, and that they were going to come and take her and maybe kill her and ruin his life. Cage knows this, and we see him want to take action. He just sort of goes out and starts doing his own thing. But what I did kind of love, at least in terms of the Cage side of things, is that in the flashback to the event that took place 20 years earlier, we see young Cage played by Weston Cage, played by Cage's actual son. And so he's of an age now where he can play young Cage. He's not just a young monkey wrench kind of guy tooling around in Lord of War. He's actually kind of acting here, kind of doing something and sort of making an impact and setting up the rest of the movie. Hooray, Weston Cage, you're back for your second and final, as of now, Cage Club movie.
2: It's funny, too, because we've had other actors play young versions of Cage. This is the first time where it actually kind of looks like the way Cage might have... Not the way he did look, but you see a resemblance, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's like... I was like, oh, it's Weston, but I was like, oh, that's such a clever idea because he does kind of resemble Nick Cage as an adult. So I thought that was a cool
0: touch.
1: I'll keep being very honest. I didn't notice that it wasn't Nick Cage.
0: You're just, not being pay- <laughs> You're just not paying attention to the movie. <laughs> she hasn't been through
2: every Cage Club film with us in, like, you know, screw true.
1: I paid better attention to this movie than I did to Season of the Witch, and you guys are making me feel like I watched a different movie.
0: You're just here for the ride.
1: Yeah, I'm just here for the Nick Cage ride.
0: So the whole important point, once again, capital letters, capital words, important words, important point, when Cage was his daughter's age... He did this thing, he performed this act that changed his life forever. Wait a minute, hold on. Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. I really confused myself there for a second. I was going to say this timeline is way screwy, but it's fine. So he's 17, he does this great thing, now or this horrible thing, this, this tragic thing, he kills this guy, steals his money. No, wait, actually, hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> if, if he was 17 when he did this, didn't that happen 20 years ago? Are we to believe that Cage is 37 in this movie?
1: Uh, what makes you think it happened 20 well, years ago? Did they say that? Didn't
0: they say that? I don't uh, know. I'm mostly asking Mike because there's no way that Jordan's going to remember <laughs> details from this movie.
2: How old is he when he's making this movie? In his late 40s? So he's playing 10 years younger?
0: He's almost 50. He'd be playing like 12 to 13 years younger. I mean, just <laughs> looking at him. No, definitely him, not he's... 37. Don't they say it happened 20 years earlier?
2: Something, yeah, there's that scene where he's roughing up the driver in the strip club. Strip club reappearance, one of the yep. top cage club locations. But Broke yeah, that down. he like shakes him and he's like, ah, I'm the guy who stole from you 20 years ago. Or he says, he says, it. it's like 20, 25 years ago, whatever it is. I don't think this film is concerned with logic on that level. <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> I think they thought it out to the degree where they're like, it's fine. Let's just shoot this scene and move on.
0: Because Cage is always pretty much played to age. And now, you know, he's just not. And it's not even close. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, so the whole thing is that when Cage was his daughter's age, he did this thing that changed his life forever. And now that his daughter is that same age, another event sort of changes his life forever. And he sits her sort of boyfriend down or whatever. He has this great speech to him.
3: I remember once we were on this date down by the shore. Summertime. Hot as shit just wouldn't cool off. Anyway, this Puerto Rican-looking shithead comes walking down the beach and calls Mary a slut. You believe that shit? Only a nice Irish Catholic girl like that a slut. Well, needless to say, I had to defend her honor because that's what gentlemen do. They protect women. So I went I got the tire iron out of the trunk of my car and I broke both his legs. I'm not like that anymore. No, I changed. See, because when Mary got sick, um, stage four, breast cancer, swore I'd go legit, so there'd always be at least one one parent around to take care of Caitlin. They had guns. I would expect you to get shot trying to protect her.
0: Okay. First of all, that's insane. Like, they're just friends. Like, I can see the again. You know, a dad taking a bullet for a daughter, a husband taking a bullet for a wife. I don't know. They're not even dating. Like, for <laughs> Cage to expect <laughs> that. And he says it without a shred of irony. Yeah. He's just like, I would expect you as a man to take a bullet for my daughter and protecting her. And it's just like, whoa, okay. Like, this guy is way off the deep end.
1: I was really offended by that. Because I also think that's like a really old school, like sexist, gross attitude to even put that onto this poor kid. I don't like well, that. Well, it
0: is. But I also, that's the kind of guy that Cage is in this movie. Yeah. Like, guys, he's, a, he's an old school dude. Yeah. He's
2: Tony Soprano. You know, yeah. that's exactly what I got from this scene is like, this is his Tony Soprano moment. I don't buy it. But, you know, they want me to believe it. And I thought that was. I laughed so hard when he said, you know, I thought that was a hilarious line.
0: It's not that it makes it any better or less sexist, but it's consistent with the character. And I'm okay with that. I understand where you're coming from, that this is some old school women are helpless and men should protect them, do their best to protect them. But in Cage's mind, as a sort of old school Irish mobster, gangster, whatever at least for a temporary short time. That's what he believes, and I, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I'm also a guy. I'm not a woman sort of being offended by everything in this movie.
1: <laughs> I can get on board with that. But again, it's just like the character is so poorly developed that like if you're going to write a good character, I shouldn't be offended by him saying that because I should totally be on board with who he is and why he's saying that. And I just
2: wasn't. Yeah, It could have been cooler if the mother was like, can I have a word with your son? And then she pulled that kind of shit where she was like, you should have fucking like jumped in front of the butt, whatever. I, you should have broken. You know, that would have been great.
0: give her something to do anything to do literally so not only do we get a strip club but we get another recurring set piece when cage is like meet me at the construction site i feel like recently at least you know in stolen they were at the construction site for i don't know eight seconds getting that gigantic thing (laughs) that melted the the bars (laughs) to melt the gold like construction sites not super prevalent but also in Gone 60 Seconds, also in Kick-Ass. They're up, they're sort of like under the radar, because huge things don't necessarily take place there. But construction sites, sort of, more recently... City of Angels. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're all over Cage Club.
2: And another location, maybe not as prevalent lately or so, maybe, I don't know, there was one in Joe, but a graveyard as well, where we meet fellow Cage Club actor here, Peter Stormare. Is that how you pronounce yep. it? Yeah. So I mean, I
0: think, sure. Why not? So,
2: Peter Stormare, he, he's back from 8mm and Windtalkers, so good to see him wheeling around in the chair.
0: Peter Stormare, Cage's former mob boss, who he's still on speaking terms with, even though he went clean. Before I forget, before I get too far off track, I mentioned that there was a construction site or, you know, a dump or whatever, something with machinery around in Gone in 60 Seconds. Mike, did you realize that the Mustang he was driving had the same paint job as Eleanor in Gone in 60 Seconds?
2: Not only that, there is a character named Eleanor in this movie.
0: This movie loves Gone in 60 Seconds. (laughs) It's
2: those little flourishes.
0: But what's kind of great, it gets the construction site, and it's him and his two buddies. It's Danny and it's Kane. They're there, and they're like, we're going to take care of business, we're going to go do this thing, and Cage starts crying. And I know that you always point out, because you love it when Cage cries, mm-hmm. he doesn't cry that much. He cried in Seeking Justice, but he starts crying here, he's going to cry later. There's a, there's maybe more Cage tears in this movie than in any other Cage Club movie to date. And it's
2: wasted, that's what I hate about it. It's like, he's acting so hard in this, I don't, you know, it just feels maybe for the first time in a long time i kind of am like i don't know if he's if he's 100 percent here in this movie and there's one scene we're still haven't gotten to on the rooftop that i'm gonna be teasing and teasing but it just feels like that's where all the energy went you know i'm i don't know it just i'm not feeling him cage like it's weird like it's for the first time in a while i'm just not feeling him in this in this movie like he's here like he's present 100 percent.
0: there's flashes of it though like there's flashes of him trying I really feel like it's just the script that's just not doing him any favors. <laughs> like we were talking about with Jordan with Season of the Witch, where like your one job is to act. Like just show <laughs> up and just do play your part. So even if the script is terrible, like you should always be there. You should be present. You should want to shoot. And I, I agree that he's not necessarily always there. doesn't feel like he's always 100% present. But still, like, if if you look at the script, which can't be great, and be like, ugh, I gotta gotta do what now today? I got eight pages where I got nothing? Like, it just... I don't know. Especially if it's like,
2: I've done all this before, like, several times in other movies better. In the
0: last two or three years. But then they all... They sort of get into this little group hug, and they're like, how (laughs) deep do you want this to go? And he's like, how deep is hell? And you know that they're committed. Like, they are going to go for it. That no matter what it takes... They're going to avenge his daughter. They're going to find his daughter. We'll do anything you ask. <laughs> I know. This could get dirty.
2: So just how deep do you want this to go? How
0: deep as hell? Danny, like one of his associates, <laughs> goes to that like crack house and oh, ties like a rope scene. around the girl.
1: This is the third is, woman in the movie.
0: Yes. This is amazing. Like, she she is well, no. oh, my. There's also, I think there's another cracked out girl later when he's in the shootout scene that she just doesn't move so she's basically like a mannequin but you're right like not great but he ties a rope around her neck and then ties the other end of the rope to a cement block and throws the cement block out the window and this girl is sitting against the wall basically strangling to death while he tries to get answers from this guy and the guy doesn't have answers like he's right? he's telling the truth he's like i don't know what happened i don't know what you're talking about He's like, now I believe you. And he just walks away and we just never see those characters again.
1: That was actually really sad. I actually really like this scene. Even though this was the third woman and she was treated just as poorly as the other women in this movie. That guy, that was like the guy He was like, man, but I love her. Like maybe that was some of the best acting in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I also thought it was really funny when the two guys walked away from that scene. What did they say? Like oh, they didn't God. know if it was going to work. I thought yeah, that the guy, yeah, the guy. Yeah, the
2: guy's like, I shot. He's like, great shot. And he's like, I can't believe I made that shot. And he's like, What are you talking about? And he's like, Yeah. He's like, I don't know, I was gonna make that shot. So I did laugh there, but. I had oh, I such conflict about this sequence because, like, it's so intense and it's really well done. And Cage isn't in it, but they do that thing where he walks out and they turn it into a joke. So, like, all of that good acting and drama and seriousness is just, like, sucked out of the room for me when he makes that joke. Like, I, I thought it was a funny thing to say. It was kind of, you never see that in films. It almost felt like a Tarantino thing where, like, Jules and Vincent are like, holy shit, I can't believe that worked kind of thing. But, yeah, it was just... In like strange vibes,
0: and then we basically leave this scene, and then go find out that his daughter's dead. The cage gets called down to the morgue and finds out that it's daughter, and we know it's his daughter because she's still got the hand tattoo on her on her hand. We know there's only one girl in the world that that could be, and it's just like, oh, like this is what we've been waiting for. Like this is his moment, and he cries again and puts his head to her head, and then goes out to sort of kick some ass and take some names.
2: This was a little better. This sequence, I thought. Like, I don't know. This kind of always gets me in any movie. I, I definitely had that flashback to uh, *Seeking Justice*, though. You know, even though his wife doesn't die in that movie, it is sort of like a tearful moment. You know, it is where you expected it. I just got kind of caught off guard when he, I guess, cried in front of his buddies. It just made him. I don't know. I just felt like it made him too vulnerable at that time. Like, I didn't want him to be vulnerable, like emotionally. I guess at this moment, I just wanted him to be full of rage and, you know. To kind it takes them a minute to boil up to the point where they actually get out and start kicking some ass.
0: But this is when he meets up. I think this might be the first time that we meet up with Peter Stormare. And he goes, and he's in his wheelchair, and he's got this great line about like the things that he misses from being able to stand. That's
3: better. Eye to eye. That's the thing I miss the most, I guess, to be able to stand over somebody and stare them down. simple small things in life that I'm not able to do anymore you know like banging a young brother kicking somebody's teeth down their throat
0: and it's like okay like he's also old school and this is incredibly sexist and violent but that's just again who he is so I guess be okay with it I don't know yeah I just wish
2: them I don't know I don't wish anything really but like it' just be Better if the movie was smart enough to play it with more subtlety or more attack. Like, this character doesn't even really... Necessarily, like a lot of these guys don't really need to even be in the movie. I feel like, why does he? What is this about? Like his boss is like, you should be grateful. Like you got out clean. No one ever gets away clean. Are we supposed to think that his boss shot his daughter because he's resentful for letting him leave the mob life without any repercussions? Like, is that's what I'm getting? Is like we're just supposed to think that you know his friend did it? So now I've got like a list of suspects. I've got like the young kid, his friend the mob guy, and then the Russians. It's just, that's kind of how it's coming across.
0: I guess that's kind of supposed to be the point of the movie, maybe, that anybody can do it, and so that no matter who actually does it, you're not caught off guard, and then by having it be none of those guys, and it sort of it just being an accident, spoiler alert, then it's sort of, like, I don't know, I can see what they're trying to do, it just doesn't necessarily work well.
2: I think the problem is they're trying to draw this parallel to the mistake he made as a kid, right? We find out like he and his buddies carjacked some mob guy's brother and killed him and stole the money and started a war, basically this is supposed to be sort of penance for that in some way. Like, it would just be cleaner without that if it was sort of just about him getting revenge for his daughter. And it just feels muddled along the way because they try and bring in this backstory and... The, I mean, the suspect's already there, you know? You don't have to... Like, they're already... They're still hanging around doing mob stuff. It's not like he has to, like, draw them out or anything like that. Or And no one's even, like, coming for him. It's all very... uh Do you think...
1: <laughs> Maybe because like that gave some backstory as to like why he got out and how he got out. Like maybe that that, knowing that was supposed to make us feel more sympathetic towards him because he did it for his kid. So like it means even more to us. To go on this ride with him now to, like, avenge her death?
2: That would have been cool if it came across. Like, that, you know, like, then, yeah, like, hmm. It's just, like, another one of those... To me, it was just, like, I used to be a badass. Then I gave up that life, and now... I'm being forced to become that badass monster guy again. So, yeah, I don't know. But I just feel like they're trying to draw the parallel to, like, this incident is just like history repeating itself, right? Like, he's on the other end now. Somebody did something to him, and he's starting a war. And it's just like, ugh. I can't draw that connection it just doesn't work for me.
0: Well, I don't think that's a connection they're necessarily trying to make, but I think there is a connection they're trying to make between the family life and the... There's a conversation between him and his wife that's not necessarily because of his daughter, but it's him. him and his wife, and she's like, is it over? And he says, it's just beginning, and then she's like, my husband is a killer.
3: What, what do you really want to know? Huh? What do you want to know? You want, you want to know how many people I jacked up last night? How loud the screams were? No, I... Then what? Is it over? Just beginning. I'm not leaving. I need you. You need me. You told me to do whatever it takes, right? But this is what it takes. Pack your bags. Then I was wrong. Then I should have kept my mouth shut. But you didn't. Now I'm in this. Sorry if it upsets you.
2: Yeah. That upsets me.
3: My husband is a killer. I think... You're enjoying this. Say, my husband is a killer. Come on, repeat after me. My husband is a killer. You've always known it. Just haven't seen it until. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going on? Is that why you're still here? Because it turns you
0: on? Like, so, I-, I don't know. Like, they're trying to play up the duality of the two sides of things. No matter what we're talking about, like, what they're trying to do it's ultimately not very effective just because they don't really know how to do that kind of thing, you know?
2: Yeah, what they do know how to do, though, I feel, is action. I have to give the movie that, and, you know, it's funny how much of a long way like a little bit of good action kind of goes for me <laughs> but when they bust into that card game first of all like cage punches the bouncer through the front door of that place did you realize that did you catch that that was just like one of those like really well done just like action scenes I was like wow where did the competence come from all of a sudden you know it kind of reminded me of in amos and andrew like i don't mind drawing parallels to that movie with this movie but like there's just sheer incompetence in general filmmaking in that film but but all of a sudden, the second unit filmed this incredible moment where the SWAT team propelled down a helicopter onto the outside of a house. And it's just like, where did this talent come from all of a sudden? And that's when these sort of action scenes come up. I'm like, whoa, like, okay, I'm, I'm like going with these action scenes.
0: Because that's far and away the best scene in the movie, the most exciting scene in the movie. I mean, there's knife fights, there's gunfights, there's Cage punching guys through doors. Like in the, a real cool moment, walking up to the poker table, with just like a wad of cash putting it down, whispering something in the guy's ear, and then just he flips the table and they just start fighting. Like, it's great. Like, that's an awesome scene. If that was in a different movie, it would be great. and We could sort of kind of ignore most of this movie. But the fact that it's in here, kind, of, it, like, it stands out because it's so much better than the rest. Yeah. It fits this movie. I just wish that there was more of this. Mm-hmm. Like, if this movie had four or five of these scenes, as opposed to just, like, one or two, I could sort of forgive some of the plotting. Like, if they just want to set out to make, like, an awesome action movie, like a John Wick, not comparing, like, because this is nowhere nearly as good as John Wick. This is not even, like, it, like it, to say it in the same sentence is kind of offensive to John Wick. But, like, if they just set out to make this awesome revenge tale where there's going to be crazy action scene after crazy action scene, great. I can sort of forgive bad plotting or no plotting and some sexism, not all the sexism, but some of it, if there's great action. But it's kind of just this one scene, and that's sort of it, and that's disappointing.
1: I thought this was the only scene that Nick Cage really showed up for. You could really see him really doing a good job there. Like, he does that crazy eyes thing. And, like, his crazy eyes were in this scene, and it was exciting.
2: Yeah, I feel like he might have thought that this was the whole movie that he was going to be running around doing this Charles Bronson type stuff. There's actually Joey. I counted two other action sequences. There's the crack house where they bust into the crack house and he knifes the guy. He sticks the knife in the guy with the guy's hand behind his back, like it's pinned yeah. to his back, and he's like, "Don't yep. worry, you're going to die soon." And like, <laughs> just that's explosive and action packed. And then uh, my favorite part is when he the foot chase then when he chases the guy yeah. through like the streets and the garden and. Onto the roof What I think is like My favorite moment in the movie Where he just goes like All out And gives it his all Is like The guy starts dying on him Before he can get information So he starts beating The dead body And yeah. like screaming And crying And he lets out One of those great Just like desperate wails You know It was so fitting At the moment And then he gets up And he shoots the dead body And then he starts Kicking it in the head Like he just goes it's like Full great. rage Yeah Someone
3: the boy my daughter's head with a Russian handgun. Who did it? Huh? What, was it sure off? Huh? Was someone acted out of turn? Who was it? Who did it? Who did it? Uh. Who did it? Uh. Who did it? No 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 don't
0: do don't do which scene is it is it the crack house scene where he's got the pistol in one hand and the shotgun in the other hand, yeah. and he's guarding two entrances by himself. That's a crackout scene, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's on his
2: back, and he's like... That's
0: so cool. He's got to guard the two entrances. There's going to be a guy in both places, and he sees the one gun. He, sh- he shoots two bullets into the guy, and then when the guy hears the bullet shooting, the other guy comes around not expecting him to have another gun, and Cage just shotguns that guy. Like, it's so cool. Like, why can't they be as good at just telling a basic story as they are coming up with kind of cool action scenes?
2: it almost even felt like John Woo-esque, especially that moment. And that's why I say, like, Jordan says, like, he kind of comes alive during this. And I think it's this is what he thought the whole movie might be, you know? We'll just go through, like, every scene like this. But it's loaded down with all the other drama crap that falls, like, super flat.
1: There was um, some weird writing that I want to talk about in both of those scenes. And I can't remember one of the lines, but so the guy that he punches through the door in the, before, right before the card game scene that guy was like arguing with him about why he couldn't come in the guy was like i speak three languages like what does that have to do with anything why is that insult
0: they said they asked him something like do you not understand he's like no i speak three and like like no they said oh, they, they said something really like do you, do you not speak do you, do you not speak english he's like no i speak three languages it makes sense right. you're hearing every other line i think <laughs> could
2: be what kind of insult is that though like is that some kind of like euro trash insult to an american well, that's, how that, I, like...
1: that's how i heard it <laughs>
2: Yeah, like, I speak three language. dumb American, understand one. (laughs) Really? Okay. And (laughs) that was dumb.
0: What's your other uh, weird scene, dialogue, weird dialogue moment or whatever? The
1: other thing that happened was right outside the strip club, like, right after, like, I guess they go inside and, like, a fight breaks out and it, like, comes out onto the street. And one of the guys starts shooting his gun in the street. And one of the other guys says, you can't shoot people in the street. Like, it's (laughs) so... And it's so, so logical.
2: Oh, and it's the so guy gets sh- the guy gets shot and like runs like full speed for like ten blocks too. It's crazy.
0: Well, I mean, there's not like this really normal dialogue. Like, it's not like there's great moments. It's just sort of like things happen. And they just need to explain why things are happening, so they just put words in there.
1: Yeah, I guess that's actually a really good way to describe how this was written.
0: There are
2: just these bizarre sort of mini monologues throughout, too. Cage telling the story about, like, someone insulting his wife on the beach. And then later we're introduced to Chernov, the Russian mob boss, who, like, goes into this thing. Like, I used to be boxer and, you know, I had to take dive. My dad owed money and, like, just all these sort of weird moments of wannabe character development and stuff. But, like, again, I'm just, like, bursting out laughing out loud when he's like you know i could have been boxer i'm like holy shit and then he's gonna like rocky box the guy like he's gonna use the guy as a punching bag I'm Like this is schlock i don't know i just thought it was just like so cheap
0: but we're getting really close to my favorite line in the movie as cage is at the crack house he finds out or right after he leaves he finds out that kane has been captured by chernov and he goes to danny and danny's got a stripper at his house he's doing drugs and Cage is like, why'd you bring the stripper here? He's like, well, you don't... Or No, it's not at his house. He's some other place. I don't remember where he is. Like, in a warehouse? I don't know. He's like, well, you don't bring strippers to your house. You don't bang strippers at your house, Paulie. Like, that's just not what you do. He like, tells the stripper to go, and they go, and he just starts screaming at Danny about how he betrayed him, about how he ratted on him, about how he ruined everything. After they killed this guy and took the money, their whole plan was to not spend the money so that they wouldn't get caught, so... Paul, a.k.a. Cage, I don't think we ever set his name up somehow. Paul is like convinced that Danny somehow tipped Chernov off to where Kane was or whatever. Cage just starts shouting at him rat, rat, rat rat, and then he just stabs him with a knife. Like, it's (laughs) such a weird, great scene. He's so torn up about his daughter, and now one of his two best friends is gone, and not only that, but he thinks his other best friend is the reason his best friend was kidnapped, and maybe also the reason that his daughter was kidnapped and killed. His world is crumbling down around him. This is sort of one of a better, in recent memory, Cage freakouts, and I just love him chanting and shouting rat over and over again. Like, it's just
3: great. What's the big deal? They took... Caitlin, and they shot her in the head. Maybe, maybe that's not a big deal to you, but it's a pretty fucking big deal to me. And the only reason they would do something like that is that someone talked. No one asked you. No one asked you where you got the money for those guns. or Connell didn't want to know how you managed to pull off something like that on your own, Polly. Yeah, I've always been loyal. You've of... always been an idiot. Screw you, Polly. Nothing's ever your fault. There's always someone else to blame, always someone there to bail you out. Who, who's bailing you out now? Who, Whose man are you now? Are you, you my oh, man? Are you sure? Hey, are you crazy, man? Oh, easy. Knock it off. I, you, you talk! talk. I give you stole talk. your guns to your boss so he take care of you and make those guns go away. That's not what I no talk. It's not, not my God, He's dead. We swore not to talk about it, not to spend the money, not to draw attention to ourselves. I'm not a rat. You are a rat.
2: Yeah, it's 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 also like the movie wants you to think at this moment that his friend did it too, as I feel. Like, it, that's what's weird. It's supposed to feel like a suspect. And at this point, we're supposed to think, like, he's so driven with paranoia that he'll even... He's losing his mind, and he'll even suspect the guys who's been kicking ass with him the whole time. Like, how could you even think that this guy, like, you busted up a crack house with him? Clearly, he's on your side. He's also like seemed too dumb to be able to pull anything off i'm surprised he wasn't banging a stripper in his own house that he even thought of bringing her to some warehouse somewhere and now that i'm thinking about it they just had that in there just to sort of bother jordan as far as i'm concerned like why did he even need to be with a stripper or a hooker at that point is beyond me but this scene is awesome, bottom line, I guess. Like, especially the Cage <laughs> part, at least. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy how, like, he, like, even says, like, get up, get up. Like, he can't believe he killed his own friend, and, like, he's fully off the deep end. And I understand why he's sort of just, like, in the end, when all is revealed, he just gives up. He, like, accepts his fate.
0: As we're getting toward the end of the movie, and Cage is sort of running out of suspects, like, he doesn't know who could have done this to his daughter, and he's asking those people not getting answers, another big theme begins to pop up where everybody is demanding everyone else take responsibility and it's sort of this point where nobody knows what they're supposed to take responsibility for. Like, it's a lot of actions that led from nothing, almost. Like, it was a hunch that just led to a lot of violence and a lot of brutality and death. And everyone's like, take responsibility for your actions. And people are like, I don't know what I did. Like, why are we having this conversation? And they're just <laughs> demanding that over and over again. You know, if you didn't catch on by now, you, you should know that sort of something is up. Something's fishy. Something's not what you think it is. You know, when Chernov is torturing Kane, and Kane's just like, well, didn't you take his daughter? He's like, no. Like, what do you, what? And so it's not the Russians. Then who is it? It's just weird. It just the audience is almost as confused as every character in this movie. Like nobody knows what happened or why it happened, and we just we all just sort of want answers sooner rather than later. Yeah,
2: and it it feels to me, especially with the reveal, which lands almost like a punchline, as far as I'm concerned. But it just felt like we got this far in the script. We don't want anyone to do it. Like who could have? Like I don't really know. I don't know. I just feel like it. I just feel like it could have been set up a lot better to make the reveal a cool reveal as opposed to the way i feel like it just was like at this point sort of like obvious it's like i don't know what i'm trying to get at exactly but this movie has clearly driven me crazy because <laughs> <laughs> i can't think straight at this point
0: and so it turns out i don't remember i just i just watched this movie okay I i'll him. tell
2: you okay so what goes down is like so no one knows who killed or kidnapped the daughter the russians didn't do it no one did it cage killed all of his friends so they couldn't have done it everyone confessed to not doing it and then he goes home and they know that the gun. they know the gun that killed his daughter is the tokarev russian gun and it's only been fired like three times like Twice and in the and it wasn't.
0: It hasn't been fired. yet. it hasn't been fired in like twenty years.
2: Yeah. So like immediately, that what makes him think it's the Russians and stuff. So he goes home and he like goes into his little toolbox where he keeps all of his old guns, and he, it's like ah, oh, he like oh, it's my Tokarev. Oh my God, it's been shot or it's been used or something. That's the sense I got. And then he goes back to the boy, Michael, I think it is, or Mike or someone, and he gets them to confess to what really happened, and they were hassling the dog about the dad like oh your dad used to be in the mob like tell us something cool and she's like Oh, i'll show you something cool and they go upstairs and they, in like the most after school special way possible public service announcement way imaginable they're running around in slow motion in the rain playing guns like bang bang running around laughing and she's like come on let's go put him back and the one kid like turns around and just blasts her right in the head
0: yeah not even like no no fooling around just like in the head she falls back in slow motion in the rain. And then I guess they just pick her up and leave her like in a storm dream to be found later. And then they trash the house oh, to make it yeah. to sell their story. Yeah. Like it's,
2: they do the it's ending of stream weird... where they like beat each other up a little bit and <laughs>
0: yeah. you know,
2: concoct that fake story about it. You know, we gotta give the kid like I guess a little bit of credit where he's like, yeah, the dad is somewhat connected, so like it would be partially believable, but it's just <laughs> it's just I guess they're trying to say some kind of moral where it's like, don't lie about this kind of stuff stuff. because look at all of the dead bodies in the way like the kid doesn't even know the wake of death that has like happened because of him it's just like really (laughs) the movie's gonna actually be about something at this point
0: so then what's the next moral that the movie supposedly teaches that cage has a gun to this kid's head essentially and then lets him go like are you really supposed to turn the other cheek like is killing 12 guys bad but like but 13 guys is unfair. you know what i mean like what what are we supposed to learn from him not killing the kid.
1: We're supposed to learn that all of this was Nick Cage's fault all along. He finally realizes it, right?
0: I guess it's his yeah. fault for being a bad
1: guy and for putting his family in harm's way to begin with. Because it never would have happened if he hadn't been who he is.
0: We already knew that. I guess that's just him learning. It. Yeah,
1: I think it was him learning it
0: yeah
2: because you know it's the one it's that one thing him and his buddies did that was sort of off the books right like it's like no one knew it wasn't a sanctioned hit like they just like killed this guy stole his money he turned out to be like the mob bosses one of the boss's brothers eventually well, the guy whose brother it was eventually rose into power to be you know this chernoff guy yeah i think it's just supposed to be you committed this horrible act and now karma is come to bite you in the ass and he realizes like all right i'll be it's just easier at this point to accept it and be the last guy to die so no one else has
0: to. <laughs> and then we get a kind of weird ending where I'm, it's so it almost feels like a dream, but I don't think it is because we haven't had any precedent set like this. Where Cage calls his wife and just sort of gives her the whole rundown. Like, he sort of gives a confession, talks about the first time he killed a guy.
3: I killed a man when I was 17. Caitlin's age. Gone into a fight. Someone handed me. Sometimes I dream about that night. In the dream, I see myself and I try to stop it. But I can't. Then I wake up. And I wonder what would have happened if no one handed me that knife. What my life, what our lives, might have been. I'm sorry I let you down.
0: He stabs himself in the stomach, like sort of Harakiri samurai style? Well, I missed that. And the, I don't know if that's what, like that's what I'm not sure about. But I saw that he stabs himself in the stomach, and then the guys come in, and you see them in a shot that begins and ends the movie. It's a close-up on Cage's eyes, except now you see like, the gun flares in his eye as they riddle him with bullets.
2: Okay, I got everything but the Harry Carey part. But it makes sense like that he would want to kill himself knowing they were going to come and you know, I guess there's some honor, at least, in his own mind. And it kind of just fits into the whole, like, samurai, kabuki, you know, acting style that he sometimes, like, goes through. And, yeah, yeah. It just thematically, I guess, whatever he needs to get to that place.
1: I also didn't see the stabbing, but I did get the rest. Was it weird that that happened during the end credits?
0: Oh, it, well, it doesn't happen during the end, end credits. It's in
2: Snake Eyes.
0: Yeah, like, the end credits, it's, oh... It's like they're just wheeling his like he dies before the credits, but then he they like, wheel his body downstairs during like I don't know like what mm, I, I can see <laughs> ending right. your movie on his death right? No, it's his but, like, like, even...
2: soul leaving his body right? Like it's this floaty cam, and I was like, holy Ugh. shit, they're actually doing it, and like he's floating down the stairs, and he sees Danny Glover, and he almost looks like an angel in the outfield, and uh, <laughs> then he like floats out the front door, and he sees his wife and that's when it fades to black like he finally gets to like see her one more time as she comes home to his bullet riddled body it's like great look on her face like okay honey i just want to capture the moment and then fly off to heaven or probably hell he's probably going to hell
0: (laughs) (laughs) i guess i I have no idea it just reminded me of a
2: snake eyes right where like that ended on this really long obscure tracking shot back on that really weird ruby ring of the girl who was buried in the (laughs) casino. I was like, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) I forgot about that. That's great. Yes, yes, yes.
2: So it took me back.
0: That's kind of the end of Rage. That's how the movie ends. So pretty much everybody dies. So Jordan, maybe it's in your best interest that the woman lives in the end. She stands victorious over everybody. Now, I mean, her entire life has been turned upside down, but she's still alive. So yay!
1: Yeah, except everybody she loved is dead. Yeah, but clean she's only slate. alive because they didn't let her do anything.
2: <laughs> well, then, otherwise, you yeah, have... I mean, she probably would have been dead with the rest of them, right? But the way I see it, clean slate, move on. A couple years of therapy, she'll be fine. Well, maybe not fine, but she'll be functional.
1: That's a movie.
2: There's the movie. Yeah, start <laughs> the movie here.
0: With Ghost Cage? Oh <laughs> yeah, definitely. So one thing I noticed about this movie, we talked about Peter Stormare coming back from 8mm Talkers. We talked about Weston Cage coming back from Lord of War. I also had a thought midway through this movie, especially when and Cage was there, that maybe it was Yuri, the international gunrunner, who provided all these guns that killed all these people. Mm. Wouldn't that be ironic in the world of Cage? But anyway, the guy who plays Danny, one of the main guys in this movie, is a guy called Michael McGrady. He played Vice Detective John Gentile in The Frozen Ground. So he was not too long ago. So I'm sure he was one of the detectives who was like, come on, Cage... You've been working on this case too long. Let's get a move on. Yeah, one of like the seven guys in his precinct. Like, Okay. But what I found more surprising, and this is kind of a big-ish deal, three actors, Michael Papajohn, Elena Sanchez, and Tom Wheat, all have been in multiple Cage movies before. Elena Sanchez was just in Trespass, but Michael Papajohn was in G-Force, Season of the Witch, and Drive Angry... Tom Waite was in Seeking Justice, Season of the Witch, Trespass, Stolen, and the Frozen Ground. And what I found is all three of these people are actors in this movie, but also their main occupation is stunt double, or stunts. Mm -hmm. So this movie, in a way to maybe save money, kind of pulled a Tarantino, and you know how he hired Zoe Bell just to be the star of Death Proof? Because she didn't need a stunt double, she could do her own stunts, after being a stunt double for Uma for years. Here we have this guy Tom Lee, who not only was a stunt guy, like a stunt driver in *Seeking Justice*, but was a stunt double for Cage in all those other movies. So he's a guy who's been around, who's done all of Cage's stunts, and now he's actually in this movie as tracksuit Russian, whoever that is, but also as a stunt double for Cage. So this movie utilized a lot of stunt doubles. Maybe they just didn't have enough extras. I don't know. But they cast a lot of stunt guys in actual roles, which is kind of cool.
1: It would make Good sense player. that they did it to cut the budget. Look at the credits. They didn't spend any money on the credit. Like, they were clearly short on money for certain things and didn't try that hard.
2: It also might account for why there's such great stunts in this movie, or at least the action sequences are really cool and, you know, energetic and well shot and, you know, well choreographed and, you know, actually keep your attention and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, it's the best part of the film, maybe because a lot of stuntmen were on set and they could use their ideas and things like that. That's what their strengths were, so. That part of the movie like, actually shines.
0: So that's all I have to say about Rage. Uh, Jordan, you were quiet for most of this movie, most of this podcast. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover yet?
1: I don't think so. I think I said all my things.
0: You said your piece? I think
1: I did. I just don't have that much to say about this movie because I don't understand why it exists.
0: That's fair. Mike, anything you wanted to cover that we didn't cover yet?
2: No, I pretty much covered everything. You know, I definitely, in retrospect, like it a lot less after we've been out talking about it. You know, me being a guy probably has a lot to do with why, like, it appeals to me. Obviously, you know, the action just sort of dangling like a shiny object in front of me, whereas the rest of the drama just I could ignore and it puts me to sleep until we have to analyze it. And I actually, you know, (laughs) there's serious issues to address about this movie. And, you know, Jordan's pretty much right. Like, there's no reason for it to actually really need to exist. I mean, there's really no reason for you to actually need to watch it maybe just skip to those scenes where cage has his two good freakouts the one on the roof and the one where he kills his friend by screaming at him calling him a rat
0: yeah and that's about it pretty much uh, all i have to say but if you do want to watch this movie it is on netflix so it's easy to find and it's free to watch if you have netflix so go for it i guess i don't know watch it quickly just scroll through and if something catches your eye like mike was saying stop at a couple scenes you're good Because there is cool action, just surrounded by a whole lot of nothing. So anyway, Jordan, thank you for joining us for your fourth movie. I'm sorry that they keep getting worse and worse, but maybe down the road for some Cage movie that's not even out yet, you'll join us again, and it'll sort of redeem him. Who knows? Oh, I can't wait. Maybe nothing will be as good as Wild at Heart, but you never know. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us, Jordan. I'm so
1: happy to be here.
0: For all things Cage, you can go to cageclub.me. You can read our reviews, find past podcasts, follow us on Twitter, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, all things cage at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jordan Poland Clark, and we'll see you next time on Cage Club.